ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, thanks for joining Western Contours as we bring you Elk Holland Academy's Feature Friday. This week, Michael talks about preseason prep and opening week elk hunting tactics. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, everybody. I'm Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy, and this is Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're honored to have you here. The way Wapiti Wednesday Q&A works is we start with a subject. Tonight's subject, we're going to talk about you know, kind of some preseason prep, getting your gear kind of ready to go, and also some opening week strategies. But also, I am going to stimulate you guys tonight and make you think. So if this is your first time or you've been here before, you're enjoying the content, make sure that you like, subscribe, or follow, and be sure to turn on notifications so that way you're notified every time we go live or we upload any videos or posts. So... Miss Lena, good good evening. Scott, how you doing, Brett, buddy? Dimitri White, good luck this season, everyone. So, okay. So preseason prep. Um, you know, by this point, you should have gone through all of your gear. You've double checked it. Um, you know, hopefully you've been shooting broadheads. Um, I know last Thursday during the Patreon Q&A, we had an individual that was kind of struggling with broadheads that were shoot or basically hitting. Um, they were grouping well. They were just hitting about six inches different from their field points. And we kind of talked about that. I know there's been discussion and you guys have always heard it that, well, if your bow is tuned, your broadheads will hit where your field points do. And that is true. But in defense of some people is they will take their bow into a bow shop and have it tuned and then they'll pick it up. 
The problem with that being is the person that's working in that archery shop is the one that's tuning that bow to the way they shoot, meaning they're shooting it through paper and they're moving the rest to get a bullet hole. Most of those guys that work in archery shops have excellent form. You may not shoot your bow the same way they do, which means your bow is tuned to the way they shoot, not to the way you shoot. So you really need to find a shop that will tune the bow. Basically, you are the one that's shooting it through paper for them to shoot that rest. So Tiny T, you're not actually joining late. We're just getting started, bud. You are good. So uh, Brady Russell, good evening. Glenn, I was just practicing my calling and my phone alerted me it was time for this. Perfect. So, all right. Also, your other gear, you, you, you know, Hopefully you've gone through it, you've checked it all, you make sure it's in good working order, everything is still good from when you put it away last year or the last time you used it. So Kyler99, Western Contours, how you doing, guy? Uh, I also posted a picture with the food bags and I had questions about those. So what I do with those food bags is I take a gallon Ziploc and I basically put kind of one day's rations in that Ziploc bag. Now, since I'm hunting from a base camp, all I have to do is make my sandwich, which the sandwich I typically make is a plain bagel with almond butter, spun honey, and bacon bits. Then put that into a sandwich bag, put that into that gallon bag, and then that just goes in my pack, and that's my food for the day. The nice thing is, is you have a place to put wrappers when you're done with them. You have plenty of food there. It's all in one place. It's easy to grab and go. You don't have to go through each morning and build these bags. They're done before you go. The other thing is um, I was asked if when I'm on a bivy hunt, when I'm on a bivy hunt, I will actually take those. I'll still make those bags up, but I'll put them in a dry bag and then I'll hang them in a tree when I get to camp. So I only have one bag in my pack each day while I'm hunting. So uh i'm going hard in the paint eric i like it danny going to be so hot this weekend i am not going out waiting until next weekend that's personal choice um just remember when it's hot you can always find cool dark draws so okay uh i've always learned to tune each bow to the shooter it is best to get each person accurate Mountain man, absolutely. Guys, please go through your first aid kit and make sure you have what you need and know how to use it. Yes, Brian, that is a great point. That is something else that you definitely need to go through. Um, you know, for those of you that watched uh, Destination Elk last last year uh, with the Elk 101, you saw where there was a mishap on the mountain. Um, it's it, it, it really, I've always had a small first aid kit in my pack. But it made me go through everything. Was everything still up to date? Was everything still in good order? And, and just kind of get all that, um, you know, in place, in good working order. Because um, you never know, guys. Things things can happen out, out there. So, KDRBT, welcome. Trualitude? Huh, Okay. Zach, Amy Hall, Hunter, welcome, welcome. So what bugle would you use when closing the distance on a bull to get within 150 yard mark advertising? Um, Ethan, no, I generally don't bugle when I'm trying to get close to a bull. I'm pretty much quiet until I get within where I want to set up and start working that bull. So, okay, so 
Um, you know, all of my gear is also set. So tomorrow it's really quick just to grab it, throw it in the truck and I'm on the road. So now we actually did have some questions that uh, I'm going to pull up here real quick. And so while I am pulling those up, let's kind of talk about um, kind of the week one strategies. Okay. Um, I have been getting a ton of questions lately about week one elk aren't very forgetful or, or elk aren't very vocal. What's your strategy? It's going to be hot. What's your strategy? Uh, it's going to be this. What's your strategy? ID bow hunter. Don't forget your batteries. Nope. I already got the batteries packed, so we won't, uh, won't be forgetting that. So now here's the deal that you need to remember about these strategies. You hold the key on whether elk get vocal or not. And what I mean by that is what are you doing to get a bull to bugle? Are you calling like an elk or are you calling like a human? Think about that one real quick. Are you calling like an elk or calling like a human? And this was interesting because I asked this question last week during a priv private Q&A. And everybody's like, well, of course I'm, I'm calling like an elk. You know, I'm, I'm covering ground. I'm bugling. I'm locating. I'm trying to find. I'm like, okay. Follow-up question. How many of you have ever seen a bull cover 12 miles in a day bugle every 400 yards and then turn around and do the same thing the next day and the day after that and the day after that. So now that you've thought about that question or I've asked that question, now go back to the first question. Are you calling like a human? Are you behaving like a human or are you calling like an elk and behaving like an elk? That's the difference there. Yes, early in the season, bulls can travel five, six miles to the place where they know the cows are to round the cows up and then move into, you know, their breeding areas. When they're within that breeding area, yes, they will move around as they're moving from bedding to feeding or feeding to bedding. And they will bugle. They will locate. They may even lay in their bed and do some advertising. But people are doing, it's, it's almost like it's become a contest to see how many miles you can hike in a day. And then you have those people that are like, if you're not putting in at least 10 miles, you're not really elk hunting. Elk aren't doing that. The other thing, you know, I asked, are you giving the elk a reason to answer? Are you, what type of picture are you painting? What are you saying? And then when you hear something back, are you taking the time to basically understand what the situation is, understand what these elk are saying? So that's, that's basically why I say, you know, 
I don't cover the miles like I used to. Yeah, early on in my career, it was all about miles. In fact, my hunting partners called me one more ridge because I was always, I'd get to the top of the ridge, look over and go one more ridge. Let's just go one more. Let's just go see what's over there. One more. And it dawned on me, crap, how many elk am I walking by? How many elk am I pushing? So basically I'm leaving elk to go find elk. It wasn't until finally I really sat down and really thought about it. It was like, hmm, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm out here elk hunting, but I'm walking past elk to go find elk. Now, I know many of you are sitting there saying, yeah, but those elk we walk by aren't vocal. Okay. Why aren't they vocal? What message are you giving them? If you give them the right message, if you paint the right picture, they will become vocal. We've, we've, we've done it for the past several years on opening weekend where we've gotten multiples, multiple bulls bugling, not, not just cracking off little location bugles. I'm talking flat out aggressive coming in, aggression level rising because of the story that we're telling, because of what we are portraying in our setups and our calling sequences. Glenn, as you get older, you get wiser. No need to run through the woods blowing elk out of the woods. Exactly. You know, we do get wiser as we get older. And, you know, I'll admit when I was younger, had older, more experienced people trying to pass on knowledge. And, I mean, I was finding success and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. Now, the other thing, man, it's hot. The elk aren't going to be vocal. I'm not even going to go hunt. It's a waste of time. What, sequ what sequence would you do? So again, think about elk behavior. When it's hot, where are the elk going to go? Are they going to travel as far? Are they just going to blow through those nice, cool draws, tooting the bugle as they go through that little draw out the back end? Nope, there was nothing in there. Let's just go find another one. Or do you think they're going to get into those cool, dark draws and hang out and spend time and mill around? So we've talked all throughout the year about strategies and approaches and I see a lot of the same questions coming up over and over and over again. And so that's why tonight I wanted to do this a little bit differently because I wanted to get you guys to kind of think about situations, to kind of think about, you know, elk behavior and how they act. And are you acting like an elk or are you acting like a human? That's that's the biggest thing a lot of times that when, when I'm out there, I'm moving I'm setting up, I'm doing a calling sequence. That's, that's really what I'm sitting there thinking about. Because us as humans, when we call, we, we get into very distinctive patterns. Elk don't. So again, analyze what you're doing. Think about it. 
Are you behaving and calling like an elk or are you calling and behaving like a human? And I bet if you took the time to kind of slow down and think about these things, and some of you guys, your season's already open. Okay, you've already been out there hunting. Think about these trips that you've already taken and ask yourself that question on each of those days. Was I acting like an elk or was I acting like a human? And then think about the calling that you did. Was it repetitious and in a pattern? Or was it more kind of what a real elk would do? So um, I've been listening to Elk Nut a lot lately to try to learn more about the language. It's been really good. Yeah, Paul does, Paul does a great job, Matthew. He really does. Um, in fact, Paul and I really think along the same lines on a lot of things. Um, I remember, who it's, it's a while ago, several, several years ago when I was first with Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, I was at an archery shoot. I was doing a seminar and Paul and his son were there and he came up and, you know, we really started talking about similarities and thought processes. Um, so yeah, he, he does a good job. And if you want another aspect of it, Matthew, there's always elkcallingacademy.com. Um, you know, we have full tutorials on all of the vocalizations, the setups and strategies that we do, e-scouting. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of information on there. So everyone walks a thousand miles every season. No boots are ever good enough for them. So true. Uh, so much info if you look for it. Oh, there is. There's a ton of info out there. Um, you know, hunt, you know, get. I wish I could hunt this opening weekend in Idaho. I'd be in the woods no matter what the weather is. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be warm. I know it is. But the other thing, too, is if you really look at the the weather, I mean, I, I know where, where we're at. Um, you know, I think Saturday is going to be a high of 83, but it's also going to be mostly cloudy, which when those clouds come in, that's going to knock the temperature down, especially in these cool draws. So have a game plan. You know, know what you're going to do before you get out there. Where are you going to go based on the weather? Where are you going to go if a storm comes in? Where are you going to go, um, you know, for day one, day two, day three? Have that plan up. After that first weekend, then based on the information you gathered, then you can adjust your plan for the following week and where you're going to go and what you're going to do. So uh, tomorrow is the start of my first elk season in Idaho. I really needed to hear all of this. Ethan, good Danny Coyman, I took a 16-year-old and 17-year-old out with me. Wow, I'm old. They have so much energy. Yeah, that's. I think that's another reason why we kind of slow down. And the funny thing is, is the thing I noticed is once I slowed down and started working areas more, I started seeing a lot more elk. I started seeing a lot more game. And I had a lot more or encounters. So it's, it's funny how that basically happens. So... Hammer down, brother. I'll be there the 10th. Over the hill, Hunter. Practice all the calls randomly. Maybe get a response as a beginner. So thanks, man. Good luck to you. So, all right. Um, another thing is is question about full moon has come up again. And uh, again, it's, it's basically the question was, uh, you know, we've been told by several people that during a full moon, it's just a waste of time to go out there. Okay, well, here's again, let's 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 think about this. 
So what happens during a full moon or a bright new moon? Okay, elk go to bed early. But then what what are they doing when they bed down? They sleep for a little bit and they work on the contents of their stomach. What happens when that con when that stomach is empty? So what do you do when your stomach is empty? Do you continue to lay on the couch and let your stomach rumble? Or you, do you get up and walk to the kitchen to get something to eat? Elk are no different. When they're laying in their bed, they've emptied out their stomach. They're going to get up. They're going to get water. They're going to get food. The bull is going to walk around and check his cows because he's been bedded down and he hasn't scent checked them in a while. This is all going on in the middle of the day. Now, here's the other thing that's critical about this that you guys need to think about. During that morning time and that evening time, most of the time you're working bulls or elk in transition areas, meaning these are areas that they are just moving through to get somewhere. They're heading to their bedding area. Well, where do you think these elk are during the middle of the day? Their bedding area. Are they only spending an hour there? Are they only spending a half hour there? Or are they spending a good majority of the day there? They're spending a good majority of the day there, which means you have an opportunity to work a captive audience, to work a bull that is going to stay in that area. He's not going to travel a mile to his bedding area or whatever. Sometimes it may not even be that far. So if you have an elk that is comfortable, that is in his area where he wants to spend the day, do you think your chances to work that bull into a shot opportunity increases or decreases? So again, think about these things. So uh, what is your game plan opening day? Quick walkthrough of calling places to check your overall view of your day weekend. No. Opening day, we're going to do a total of three miles of hiking we're not going to gain a ton of elevation because we know based on from hunting this area before we know their transition corridors. We know where they're going to bed. We've taken a couple of scouting trips in there this summer based on the beds, the poo plus the trail cam picks. We know where they're going to be. That's basically right where we're heading. We know the ridges they use to get up there. We're going to use other ridges so that the, Thermals are in our favor, and we're going to work slowly up that ridge, listening for those guys coming up the other ridge. Yeah, I will throw off a couple of location bugles just to check to see if I can get something to respond. Okay, yep, there they are. Our elevation is good. And then we're going to get into that area. We're going to set up. We're going to do blind calling. We're going to create that excitement. We are going to tell a story that is going to get those elk talking because of the sequence, because of what we're doing. If nothing pans out after the first hour in that first blind calling, we're going to move to another location. We're going to set up and we're going to do it again. And we're going to do that throughout the morning until about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And then by that point, we're high enough on the mountain because thermals will be blowing up. We're going to find a place to stretch out the hammocks, eat some snacks, take a nap. And we're going to wait for midday to where we're going to go into a cow routine that is just simply two or three soft cow calls. Wait five minutes, 
two or three soft cow calls again, wait five minutes, and we're going to do that for an hour and a half during the midday. One of two things is going to happen with that. You're either going to have elk that get up because they're a social herd animal. They're curious. They're either going to come walking right in to check you out or that bull's going to get off and crack off a bugle when he stands up because he's acknowledging you and basically saying, hey, I heard you. I'm right here. So, okay. When hiking into an area predetermined, do you hike closer to the top of the mountain tops or towards the bottoms? Uh, or does it depend on the thermals? Well, in the morning, thermals are blowing down. So you want to keep your thermals definitely in your favor. Um, so always keep that in mind where you're going. This is where homework of an area comes into play too, because you learn those travel corridors. If you get into a new area and you want to learn travel corridors, basically go out that first night, listen for some night bugles be right there in the morning and follow them up. You just found your morning travel corridor. You also just found where they bed. So that first day, maybe in a new area, might be informational gathering. But you still have that opportunity that you're out there hunting. You definitely could get a shot. So Merritt, hello from Wyoming. How you doing, bud? So uh, let's see. Um, Anthony J. Boyd, good evening. Jonathan Turner, what would you suggest for someone just learning how to call an elk in? What should I do? Best way to go about it. Uh, go to my YouTube channel and basically look for the Beginner's Guide to Elk Calling series. That will get you going on a diaphragm read. For a lot of you, you can actually still, you can pick up an open read cow call or an external read bugle like the uh, Power Bugle Pro. You could pick up that within a, just a couple of minutes on both those that you could go out this year and be able to call. So uh, sorry if I didn't catch it on one of the videos. I'm planning on hunting on my own some days this season. I don't have a decoy. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a, a, a decoy Donster. Basically, you're going to, when you're solo like that, you're going to call and move, call and move. You don't want to be standing in the same place that you called from because they can lock in on that location. And they're going to come up to that point where they think they should be able to see that animal. And they're going to be staring right at that location where the sound came from. You don't want to be standing there. Also use the topography to your advantage. So if there's a little roll Call from down here, then get up top because he's going to have to come up top to be able to see down. But make sure when you get up top there that the wind is blowing from him to you, not the opposite way. So uh, weather gets bad. I'm coming to your house. OK, uh, so pump trained for 10 months to be in elk shape, but plan on being patient and not focusing on mileage. Good. Uh, midday madness. Yeah, Scott, I know you've been training like a madman. 3 a.m. Cheerios are the best. Can't wait to get out there this weekend. Uh, mountain man, what I found is with areas of lots of pressure, little calls and just sound like a wandering elk. Patience in those cases. Uh, this is pre-red, of course. So the other thing to kind of add on to that is, and we've talked about it too, with low audible sounds. So the other thing too is all these, you know, everybody else is just going to be covering miles, bugle and bugle and bugle, and they're going to be blowing through these areas. You just slowing down, working that area. And here's the deal, too, is, again, I've heard from people already that they're like, yeah, we went out hunting last weekend, covered a ton of miles, bugled, 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 and we didn't get a single response. 
And I was like, really, you didn't get a single response. And they're like, nope, not at all. And I said, now, wait a minute. Did you not get a response or did you not get a return bugle? They're like, what do you mean? It's the same thing. No, it's not. A response could be a bugle, a chuckle, a low grunt, a rake, the elk coming to you. Those are all responses. But again, we are programmed as human that when we're out elk hunting, if we don't hear a bugle back, we didn't get a response. And how many times have you been in a situation where you've been locating? No, we're not getting any responses. Let's move in. You start hiking and then you go 150 yards and boom, there's a there's an elk right there that was coming down the trail towards you. But you don't you, you don't think about those. You don't put those pieces of the puzzle together going, oh, man, that elk was responding to what I was calling or what I was doing, the sounds I was making. They were curious. They were coming in to check me out. No, we're more apt to go, oh, hey, look, there's an elk wandering through. Now, is it always the case that they're responding to come look at you? No. So, uh, but definitely. Uh, what would you suggest for doing the breeding sequence for myself? Donster, same thing. Just move, just make your movements within slower. And instead of, you know, doing what we talk about with the circle, just to kind of start doing half moons with that. So, uh, too much heartbreak last night. I discovered my bow string was tearing and come apart by the cam. So my bow is in the shop and my elk plans for the weekend are gone. Oh no, Tyler, hopefully they can get that fixed for you quickly. So, uh, Jay, I'm coming from Michigan. Now, what do you do when you get there? Okay, so you're coming from Michigan. This is where hopefully you've spent the time on the map. You have areas picked out. You have found those water sources. You have found northern facing slopes. You've done your homework before you've gotten out there. If you haven't, you're just going to lace up the boots and find a place where you can glass, find things. Go out in the evening, go out in the morning, look for elk movement, narrow it down that way. But if you've done your homework, then basically head to those dark areas, you know, and, and start finding these travel corridors, finding these trails. And you may have to work different elevations on the face, find a trail and then go to it. Now, once you have kind of some of that information gathered and same thing, like I said earlier, go out at night, listen for bugles. Follow those bugles in the morning. Let them teach you about the area. Once you have that information, Jay, then basically then you're going to figure out routes to get to that bedding area because you want to arrive at that bedding area about the same time they do because that's going to keep your thermals in your favor there. So, um, Donster, you bet. So, um but yeah, going into a brand new area blind, um, you're asking for a rough, rough trip. You definitely, definitely need to really study the map of the area. And there's so many tools online. Use those. So, uh, Dave, no bugling in northern Saskatchewan yet. So, uh, Michael, I can keep pace with the calling, but where am I missing the boat? I can keep pace. Uh, kind of clarify that one for me a little bit, Jay. So, okay, so let's do this. Let's jump over to some of the questions that came in earlier today. Um, oh, 
Uh, I know you brought it up before. What is your go-to mosquito repellent? Sawyer? In insect repellent. Reason I like this is because it, it repels mosquitoes, ticks, chiggers, mites. But the cool thing is, is once it's dried, it has absolutely no scent to it at all. So... Um, what I'll do tomorrow is I'll get to camp. I have, you know, basically a, a line in between two trees. I'll take my camo out, throw it on that, spray it immediately with that and let that dry. Plus also just let it sit out in the tree. And that's what I do each night when I get back to camp is I immediately get out of my camo into my camp clothes and get those things hanging on the tree. So, all right. Um, Adam, since opening weekend will be in the mid-90s in my unit, do you feel this is actually an advantage in my wallow slash water blind setups? Yeah, it could be uh, because warmer weather, I mean, they're definitely going to be hitting those wallows to kind of cool the temps. Definitely water, playing in the water to cool off. So, yeah, that definitely could be an advantage for you. Uh, if the elk are not answering my location bugle and there is an elk in the area, is it best to start a breeding sequence or cold calling to try to get a response? Yes. So um, do a cold calling using the breeding sequence. So also, how many bottles of wind indicator do you go through? Three to four a year. Uh, I'm going through a ton of them. I really like the dead down wind, wind checker. Uh, no, I'm not sponsored by them, have no affiliation with them. Um, I've just used a lot of them over the years. That's the one that I just seem to really like. Shape of the bottle fits well in the pocket. Um, it just seems to work really well and I can see it for quite a ways. So uh, you may have covered this before, but do you do the gutless or traditional when you get a bull down? Uh, gutless method. I've done the gutless method for probably 15 years now or more. Um, any particular knife you recommend? I really like a drop point knife. Um, you know, and I've got a couple of different ones. Um, you know, I have a Benchmade. Uh, I have an Outdoor Edge. Um, but I just, I, I really like that drop point blade style for working on elk. So, Prasmataz, how are you doing? Sunday's the day for us in Wyoming. We get to start Friday, so we'll be, we'll be a couple of days ahead of you guys. Okay. How do active or recent logging operations affect elk. It really doesn't affect them at all. Um, I don't know how many times I've gone into active logging operations. And as soon as that equipment shuts down and those trucks roll off the mountain, you'll be amazed at how many game will come on or, or, or the amount of game that will come onto the landing there or, this, or the slash piles and feed on the moss of the trees it actually it, it actually gives access to a lot of food that they they don't have otherwise um but yeah logging operations really don't affect them they're just going to go far enough in the morning to get away from that um and then yeah as soon as that operation shuts down at the end of the day they are just rolling right onto that landing it's crazy the amount of tracks you'll see um i don't know how many times i've gone into logging areas and have seen that so uh, will they stick around or leave the the area entirely? Now, Brian, they'll they'll stay right in that area. So, uh, Dennis Johnson, who has one tied up in the Panhandle for me? So, if any of you that live in the Panhandle of Idaho, if you do have an elk tied up, Dennis Dennis Johnson would appreciate it if you would message him. So, 
All right. So that's all the questions that came in today. Um, let's see. Okay. Man, a lot of questions came rolling, rolling in. Uh, keep your fingers crossed that this hurricane doesn't hit us here in Florida so my elk hunt doesn't get canceled. Yes, Brian. Thoughts and prayers heading out to you guys for safe. I was just watching the news. It looks like as it gets closer to Florida, it's going to kind of upgrade to a category two and hit land Monday morning. So hopefully you all will be safe. So uh, Barry, yep, happened to me. It's happened to all of us, Barry, where we've done that calling and then nope, nothing. We didn't hear anything. Just keep going. And it's happened to all of us. So that's why it's less than 10%. Really late. Dang job. I'll go back and watch it. Uh, headed your way on the 6th. Good luck to you and your crew. Thank you, Ron. Safe travels. Good luck to you guys. Um, I'll check those out. Had a bull come in quiet. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, early in the season, especially this opening, opening week on that strategy, um, you know, the blind calling. You can also hear it referred to as a silent calling routine. And and that's a lot of times because you do get elk that are sneaking in silently. They're not making a lot of noise. They're coming in and seeing you. Um, and, and again, that, that goes with what type of sequence are you doing? What, what message are you, are you creating excitement or, or are you just making sounds? You know, here's the other thing to ask yourself. Am I telling a story and are my sounds kind of in line with each other? And what I mean by that is, are part of your sounds nice, relaxed vocalization, everyday herd talk with distressed panic urgency mixed in the middle of those and right back? And so, so that's, that's the deal. What type of message are you, are you getting out, giving out there? Is it a defined message? Is it a defined situation that you're trying to portray or is it confusion? So, because if you're confused, the elk are going to be confused also. So, um, I can do all the calls, but getting elk to respond is frustrating. Okay. So Jay, that kind of goes in with, you know, what we're talking about because, you know, within all the elk sounds or the vocalizations, you have relaxed everyday type communications. You have urgency type that are demanding a response, um, you know, because you're lost or this or that. Um, you know, if you're bugling, did, did you go from a nice relaxed bugle saying hi to flip the switch, multiple personality disorder and psychotic? So, you know, these things kind of have to um, kind of go in line with each other. Uh, Ron, where do you buy that spray at? You can buy it at Cabela's, Bass Pro, Sportsman's Warehouse, online at Amazon. I mean, there's a lot of different places that you can get that spray at. So um, awesome detailed insight. Peter, thank you. So uh, Matthew, answer him with a three blade, 150 grain. So just did an episode with Sawyer to hear more. So, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. So Western Contours just did a podcast with Sawyer. Um, I know they talked about water filters, but I'm sure they got into a lot of the other product lines that Sawyer carries. So definitely go over to Western Contours and, you know, listen to that. So uh, Crotarius, female hunter from Michigan, headed to Colorado tomorrow in search of my first elk. Outstanding. Best of luck to you. Safe travels. 
enjoy the journey. Don't be so focused on just harvesting an elk that you miss out on everything else that's involved with it. And I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, really ask yourself when you're out there, are you enjoying your time? Are you taking the time to watch the sunset or the sunrise? Are you taking the time to take in the sights and the sounds and the smells? Or are you putting all this extra pressure on you and focusing so much on just punching a tag? Because trust me, it does make a difference in how you move and how you call and this and that. So enjoy the journey and have fun with it. So um, one day, nine hours. I know we are getting so close. Michael Hamilton, dang it, I'm late. YouTube didn't ring my bell. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, do you find cattle coming into an area will make elk leave the area? Trail cameras had elk all summer, but cattle brought in three weeks ago on my normal spots did where normally elk are there was nothing. It was not normal. Not necessarily. They can change their pattern up a little bit, but they still will be. In fact, last year I had a trail camera in a brand new area that was on a little bench. And for about the first five, six days, it was elk, 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 elk. And then cattle for the next three nights and then elk for a couple of nights and then cattle for a couple of nights and then elk. And I think what happens is when they get into those areas that they want to feed or they want to bed, they're moving towards those areas with thermals in their nose. They're able to smell what's ahead of them. If they smell the actual cattle and they can tell the difference whether cattle is standing there or if it's a lingering scent. But if they smell that cattle, they're going to go someplace else and bed down or someplace else and feed for the night. If they don't smell it, they're going to continue there. Now, the other thing about cattle too is cattle will basically graze and just kind of wander a lot more where elk kind of typically tend to stay in more of a pattern. I mean, they live in this area. They know it. But they also have those backup areas. So, um, so no, actually, um, you know, two weeks ago on the last scouting trip, yeah, we went through this this bedding area and cracked down. And, um, you know, the cattle had, had come through and moved through and we still saw just kind of the still the still the same sign that was has, has always been there. So um, sheep, on the other hand, I know people have brought up sheep before. Depending on how long of a time, um, and what I mean by that is most of the time during the day, those sheep herders are pushing those sheep along, where at night, they're there. They spend a lot of time and they decimate that area. I've noticed on those nighttime areas, elk kind of avoid that for a little while before coming back into it. But just those areas where the sheep move through, now those elk may be back in a day or two. Uh, besides camp, what hat, face mask, etc. do you wear uh, when in close? I don't wear a face mask just because of how I shoot my bow where I have a kisser and a nose button and, you know, uh, my release hand on the bottom of my chin. I want to be able to feel those. That's kind of why I have the beard to help break it up. But the other thing, too, is when when we do our setups, we're in the shadows. We're in the shadows in front of a bush, in front of a tree to break up our silhouette. So do we get caught out in the open sometimes? Yes, we do. And most of the times if we're caught out in the open, we don't say a peep. We just try to get as low as possible and just kind of let those elk move a little bit so that we can reposition and then get back into it. So, But 
I do carry face paint. There is sometimes that I will put the war paint on, uh, not very often, but I use um, nature's paint is is what I use for the face paint. So, uh, Glenn, I use cotton from a pill bottle in a plastic snuff can for wind checker. You can see 30 to 40 yards away. Yeah. And, and, and you know, pulling off a small piece of that cotton, um, you know, they also have wind drifters. There's a lot of products out there I've tested and tried a lot um i just like the powder and to each their own so if glenn you've got you know great luck with the cotton stay with it it's what you believe in it's what you trust we all don't have to have the exact same gear or, or this or that so uh putting all my food bags together what's your secret weapon to hit the three thousand calorie mark um Okay, so in my bag during the day, I kind of have a mix. Um, I want salt. I want protein. I want, um, you know, sugar for quick energy. And it's, it's, kind of, it, it's kind of a mix. But I also want something that's sustainability. Um, and that's where that sandwich I talked about, um, that's just worked well for me in the past. Um, as far as calories... Um, you know, I also have, you know, a protein bar or two in there, something that's small and lightweight that, um, you know, I can still eat it real quick. It's not a ton. Because um, think about this. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, the hungry wolf hunts best? So, and think about how you feel when you just kind of satisfy that hunger a little bit versus when you really pack on where I get a majority of my calories during the day is dinner and breakfast in the morning. So it's, it's kind of not as many breakfast midday, those snack bags or those, my food bag is basically just stuff I can munch on throughout the day. Trail mix is a great thing to carry just something that can give me, you know, a little bit of burst of energy, but also maybe a little bit of sustained. And then dinner time is where I'm really going to make up a lot of that. So, uh, scree gear. Yes. What's the difference in a display bugle versus a roundup? Not the meaning, but the sound itself. And I knew somebody was going to ask me and I have all my tubes and packed. So, but basically a, a display bugle, and I'm going to do this without a tube, but a display bugle you know, has that guttural sound in the middle where a roundup bugle starts with a soft bark. It's usually a soft bark, a little whine in the middle and two or three chuckles. So, but that's your difference between a display and a roundup. So can you say September? Not yet. Not, not for three, four more days. We're getting close though, Danny. We're right there. So, and you guys have already been open and have been hunting lucky dogs. So, uh, Jay, good luck this season. Jay, good luck to you and your crew as well. Jay Tappen and I leave tomorrow. So excited to get out there and try what you've taught me. Thank you. I look forward to the stories. So have already had some elk calling academy, elk calling academy members and students that have already been out and, Opening weekend success, uh, pictures and stories are already starting to roll in. I absolutely love it. So, and yes, the other messages have started rolling in too. 
hey, Michael, I'm sitting on a mountainside. I have a bull 250 yards away. What do I do? So I always laugh at those. So and usually my first response is get off your phone and go hunt. So <laughs> so. All right. Uh, picked up some reeds recently. Learned to bugle. My location bugles need some work. So, Michael, the best thing to do when you're learning is, um, especially with bugling, is to start with a fundamental drill. And you're basically just going to start with light contact on the reed to get that low buzz note. And then you're going to slowly increase your tongue pressure and your air pressure, and you're going to stair step that up. And just work on that stair step. Hold it on each note. Uh, and then basically what that stair step will do when you actually get out there. It'll just turn right into a bugle for you. Uh, guess better late than never. I hope everyone is having a good day. Uh, good luck to you all. Chris, good luck to you too. Sean King, you're welcome. Uh, Glenn, use a burnt wine cork to put on your face and skin to break up your shiny skin. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, my buddy did have a bull screaming and chuckling Saturday night. Good. September is calling and I must go. I know it's really close. So, all right, guys, I think we got about 10 minutes left. So last round of questions. Um, yes, I will be here next week. So we will have a Wapiti Wednesday next week. And we will also have a Patreon private Q&A for those of you that are part of the elkcallingacademy.com. Um it's not until my long hunt's not really towards not until the towards the end of the month. Um, so as long as I'm here during the week, we will still be doing live broadcast next week. Basically, what we're going to do is I'm going to recap opening opening weekend. Um, you know what we saw, what we did, what we heard, what the activity was like. Um, you know all that kind of stuff. Would love to hear you know some of your stories as well. So, all right, best of luck heading out, pack them out apparel. Good luck to you guys down there too. So, you know, Glenn, actually the, the, you know, your, your, your shiny skin, um, that's one of the reasons why we always set up in the shadows to make sure that we don't have that sun because yeah, we do have parts on our face that are really, really bright and shiny and the sun really reflects off of it. So uh i can sub for you when you are gone perfect there you go so everybody danny coinman's going to uh handle live feeds in fact i just did one tuesday night for serena thompson for the uh successful hunters course and just had a blast with that and kind of figured out how to let somebody else um do that so scott cody collins hope my eca hat will come in before i go hunting Cody, let me double check on that because I thought I had everything sent out. So, uh, Mr. Robert Gonzalez, good good luck, brother. Hey, Robert, great job on the video last night. And in fact, um, teach me how you did that uh, lip ball on that power bugle. That was that was pretty impressive. I know you don't really do that a lot when you're out hunting, but great sound. If you guys. Um, aren't familiar with Wapiti Bob. It's Robert Gonzalez. Go to his Facebook page. Uh, he and his son are highly successful elk hunters and they kind of did a little video last night. Um, basically kind of the sounds that they do and talked about a few of the calls that they use. Um, those two right there are two that 
use external external read bugles um, with great success. So for those of you that are struggling with a read, uh, Robert and his son are just two examples of elk hunters that are extremely successful that use external read bugles and and have success so it can be done and in fact uh this year i'm going to be doing quite a bit of bugling on that new power bugle pro that they just came out with last september um it's got great sound easy to use uh and i'm kind of kind of excited to incorporate some of those externals back into calling setup it kind of gone away from it a little bit so uh hopefully your back will be a little sore by next week i hope so too um kind of first weekend, I actually wasn't going to take my bow. I was just going to focus on calling for the guys in the group, but, uh, they all kind of rallied up and told me that, uh, I'm definitely bringing, bringing my bow, but I'm still going to focus on them for the first day or two. So, uh, and the cork washes off easily. I have two 32 ounce Gatorade bottles full of burnt wood, uh, from an area of the forest fire. It works great. Yeah. Um, I've done that before too, in a burn, um, just kind of, rub your hand. I, I mean, if you hunt a burn and it was a fairly recent burn, you're going to get charcoal and ash all over you. Uh, but just kind of grabbing some of that and putting it on your face can help too. I've done that before in the past. Robbie Sadler, I leave Friday evening to New Mexico. Good luck. Michael, thanks for what you do with us. Yay. Who's appreciate. I, Jay, I appreciate all of you guys. So uh, last round of questions. Let me just double check and make sure we did get everything on the other two pages. Um, yeah, looks good. Okay. Yeah, I think we did get, uh, everything. Wow. That's bright. So, all right. If you guys have nothing else, I guess we're going to wrap it up a little early this evening and, uh, head it out tomorrow as well. Good luck, buddy. Rick, good luck to you. So, all right, guys. So here's what I want you to, so to kind of recap, here's what I want you to take from tonight is think about your past hunting experiences and think about were you behaving like an elk or were you calling like an elk or were you acting like a human? You know, the sounds that you were doing, um, did they make sense? And just, just think about those things and think about the behavioral aspect there's a lot of great books out there that you can read too, um, or just do a Google uh, elk behavior, you know, and just read and learn about that. It's just going to help you guys, you know, that much more. Um, but basically, I, I, I just want you to kind of start thinking, you know, out there and, and just take a moment, pause and think. And I can guarantee that you will answer a lot of your own questions that you know that light bulb is going to go off and it's going to go oh holy crap this this makes so much more sense now and i can't believe that i've been doing this now are you still going to make mistakes absolutely because we're human and we do make mistakes um and oftentimes our mistakes come at the front of the hunt at the start because we're just getting back into it. You know, we're getting back into the rhythm of the mountain and, and figuring all that out again. If you make a mistake, it's okay. It happens. If you miss a shot, it's okay. So Jay, I Googled the breeding sequence a hundred times. Nobody gives it up. Nope. Sorry. 
Um, but I do have like three or four videos on the breeding sequence alone on elkcallingacademy.com. So, and they will be all part of uh, the new e-course we're putting together too. So uh, before you shut this down, thank you very much for all the great info and good luck. Glenn, appreciate that. Good luck to you guys as well. So um, Corey Chrisman, good luck everyone. Good luck to you. Perpetual Wanderers, always thank you. You're very welcome. It is my pleasure. Summer, thank you and best of luck this weekend. Thank you. Good luck to everybody that heads out. Have fun, be safe, and let's share stories next week. So as always, guys, keep calling, keep practicing. Most importantly, though, have fun while you're doing it. We'll see you guys next week on the next episode of Wapiti Wednesday Q&A. Aim small, miss small, and shoot straight, everybody. Have a great week. See you guys. Follow and subscribe to Elk Calling Academy on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Patreon for tips, tactics, gear reviews, and live Q&A, helping you to success faster. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading to the backcountry this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.